live on the Anakin Florian podcast YouTube channel, dying to get back to the United States. In lot hot to talk to this man right now, the UFC's number one welterweight contender, Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad. I guess the rankings say you're number four in the world, but uh, it's good to see you, brother. I mean, candidly, it's been a challenging 72 hours or so for you, for Team Muhammad, and I think even for people who don't consider themselves to be your diehard fans, for a lot of mixed martial arts fans, they felt like you should have been the backup. They feel like you should be the number one contender. So um, we appreciate your time, man, today. We really do, and I just want to know how you're doing after what at least on the surface looks like it has been a really challenging 72 hours. Eating better has gotten a whole lot easier with Factors Fantastic ready-to-eat meals. These meals really are delicious. My daughters actually were fighting me for them just last week. These meals are chef-crafted, never frozen, and ready to go in just two minutes. The convenience and the taste value is absolutely undeniable. And depending on your preferences, you can choose from over 35 different options per week. That includes Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto as well. I happen to have gone with the Keto option. But whatever it is, your lifestyle or diet, if you are looking for fast premium options with no cooking required, Factor is the perfect solution for you. And we've done the math for you. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And how about this robust offer from Factor? Head to factormeals.com slash flow50 and use code flow50 to get 50% off. That's code flow50, F-L-O-50 at factormeals.com slash flow50 to get 50% off. Uh, man, yeah, honestly, it's been a, a, a real challenging probably like last four weeks because, uh, you know, you're trying to figure out what's going to happen. And um, it just didn't make, none of it really made sense. None of it was really clicking with how it all was going down. And, you know, we were we were trying to get the, the backup role. We were trying to get the Kobe fight. And it was always, oh, yeah, you and Kobe this date, you and Kobe for tough, you and Kobe May 6. And then all of a sudden it was like, Kobe wasn't responding, so then we were like, all right, well, let's try the backup role. And they were like, oh, well, no, they're not going to have a backup. And then all of a sudden he pops out. So then you're looking at it like, man, none of this really is clicking. And it's like kind of like in a movie Casino where, like, you're, 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 you're riding in the front seat and the mobster's in the back seat. You know you're about to get shot. Uh-huh. You know you're in a bad spot right now. Something bad's about to happen. And, it, like, you're like, man, what did I do? Like, where did it come from? Uh, but I'm just glad that people are starting to notice it now. I think people are realizing, and like you said, even if you're not a fan, you have, you have to respect the work I put in the stuff that I, what I've gone through. I've gone, I'm on an eight fight winning streak. Uh, I'm literally, I've won 12 of my last 13 fights. And, and it's, it's not like I'm beating nobody's I'm beating ranked guys. I have more ranked wins than the champion. I have more ranked wins than the former champion that wasn't rematches. I have more ranked wins than all these guys. And I had the, the fourth longest winning streak in history of the welterweight division. And I'm not being mentioned in the, the title contention. When Dana comes out and says Kobe's next for sure, it just doesn't make any sense. And it just like, it was always the, oh, we don't make fights after the fight. We don't make, we don't do that after the fight. But where the hell did Kobe come from to jump the line in front of everybody when his last win was Masvidal, who's number, if we're talking about rankings, is number 12. If we're talking about wins, he's lost two in a row, and he got knocked out before that fight with against Usman, and Kobe still didn't finish him in that fight. And Kobe, Kobe almost got finished in that fight by Masvidal. So, like, how does he just jump the line in front? Like, if it was Masvidal getting inside a fight, I would understand. If it was even, like, 
we'll wait and see what happens with Masvidal because I understand the storyline there. I understand the the business aspect of it and the three pieces of the soda and why I would get skipped. And that's what I was that's what I was more nervous about any than anything is if Leon wins, they're gonna wait and see what happens with the Masvidal fight. And I could understand that, but then that would also give me the Kobe fight, which I've always wanted anyway. And to me, it makes sense anyway. That's I'll take that fight because just to punch him in his mouth. And because he been, he's been running from us for so long, he didn't want to fight me in uh, Mar- in London when we were asking for that fight. And it was like, Dana could say this, oh, we, you know, we were trying to make these fights for Kobe and the, they just fell through. It's not falling through on my end. We didn't ask for more money. We didn't ask for a, a higher rank, a higher paycheck. I'm not, I'm not a Costa. I'm saying, let me fight the motherfucker for free. Right. Let me fight him for what I'm getting paid right now. There's no negotiations on my end and you guys are just saying no. So it just tells me that there's something bigger than this. And then, when I when I tweeted it at first, I was like, man, maybe. But now I'm starting to think about it. It makes sense. Like, let me see if this thing really does go to court. Let, let's see if Kobe and Masvidal's court case is canceled out because that's, like, the only other way it would make sense for this fight to even happen. Like, yo, UFC doesn't want to look bad. They want Kobe to uh, drop the charges on Masvidal because they're two of the biggest names in the company. And if they are negotiating with ESPN or whatever about uh, the new TV deals, like you don't want a, a trial case going on with your guys where the, the company looks like barbaric and stupid because you have two morons fighting each other outside of the cage when they just fall inside of the cage. But then these two morons oh. are the ones that are getting the most shine. So it's like, what do you want? If you want to be a professional company, if you want to be like, show the fans that we're a real sport uh, company, it's like the guy that's winning, the guy that's uh, fighting, the guy that's putting it all on the line every day, and these young fighters that are coming up, it's like, now what do they think? It's like, oh, so do we have to change the way we act? Do we have to change the way we do this? Do we have to change the way we do that? Because winning is not enough. And even a fan base, I think I still have a big enough fan base where I will be selling the pay-per-views. I will be pushing a fight, selling the fight. There's not a lot oh, of fighters no. that, don't even, that barely talk. I'm on social media. I have I have people that are behind me 100%. I have a country behind me. You saw me fight in Abu Dhabi. You saw the crowd over there reaction. And it's like, it really doesn't make any sense. My bad. I was going hard. So, I mean, you make a compelling argument, man. So so what do you think it is? I mean, obviously, the, the record, all that stuff that you've done. Do, do you feel like you're kind of being punished for being a professional in a lot of ways, right? Because it's there's a lot of, uh, you know, fuckery that goes on outside the cage with other people and that ends up being a positive for some guys just because they're out out there in the news yeah i mean my last after my last fight when i got the sean brady fight that's when i was like am i being punished because i i just beat number four uh in wonder boy then i beat number five in luke and there was four guys above me that were with no fights and i was like why am i gonna fight a sean brady it makes no sense for me to fight downward but then they gave me that fight and they forced that fight so then I, that's what, that's what I was like, man, dude, maybe they got something against me, but then I go out there and I finish him in Abu Dhabi and it's a, it's a, uh, I was still an underdog on that fight card. And one of the biggest cards of the year in Abu Dhabi, the crowd was going nuts. And to get a finish like that, you're expecting something bigger to happen for you. You're expecting to, to hop right back on the train and keep the ball moving. But then it was the, the waiting game. And it's like, what are we getting? Oh, well, you know, we'll see what happens next. And then it was like, Gilbert just won his fights. And I was like, okay, well, I guess since no, nothing else is happening, we're going to fight Gilbert. And it's like, no, 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 Gilbert's fighting Masvidal. You're going to fight Kobe. So then I'm like, all right, well, I'm fighting Kobe. So that's a fight I always wanted. I'll take that fight. Let's do it on the March card. Let's do it in London on the same card as Usman and, uh, and, and Leon because it makes the most sense. And if somebody does have to get pulled off the card, 
you have two welterweights on there that are willing to step in and weigh in, which I weighed in multiple times at under 170 anyway. So the fact that uh, they didn't make that happen, that's when I was like, none of this really makes any sense at all. Like it doesn't, from a business point, it doesn't really make sense. From a, a fighter point, it doesn't make any sense. So I'm like, I'm just wondering. I have so many things to say. Bilal Muhammad with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Appreciate you guys joining us live on the channel. This will be repurposed in all locations after the fact. But you hit on a lot of truths there, and you weren't long-winded at all, by the way. I thought you were efficient in setting that all up. And again, anyone who's trying to sit here and state a case for Bilal Muhammad as the number one contender, it's not a hard thing to do, Bilal. I did it on our podcast episode that comes out later today, right? Six wins for you since the start of 2020, 2020, just two for Colby Covington. Um, you go back four years, you have 10 fights to his five. Obviously, we mentioned the eight-fight winning streak, the top five wins that you have. The fact that most of the loudest ovations in Abu Dhabi during that week leading up to the Sean Brady fight were reserved for you on a massive pay-per-view. You go out, knock the guy out, you win the performance bonus and everything else. Um I do want to read a quote here from Booger Beard. I love the UFC, but my opinion is that every time they allow someone like Colby to skip the line while more deserving fighters are passed over, they are delegitimizing the foundation of the organization, which is competition. The goal should be to, be to find the best fighters, uh, not the best talkers. And I don't know. There are a lot of frustrations with the fan base. I think a lot of them are rooted in, in Colby Covington's inactivity, but you and Hamza Chimaev have both come out and essentially alleged together that there have been six combined situations where you guys collectively have been offered that fight and he hasn't taken. Exactly. And then, like you said, the best talker, he's not even a good talker. When he talks, he's, he mumbles, it's, not, it's written down. It looks stupid. It's, it's not professional. It's not good. And then even when he's in a press conference, point of view, why? Because he says stupid stuff. Because he says outlandish things that the uh, uh, hillbilly drunks are going to be cheering for. No, that's, that's not a, that's not a good talker. Like when Connor did it, it looked good. When Chael does it, it looks good. It sounds good. It's witty. When he does it, it's just stupid. And you're going to give a guy three of his last fights, you're going to be for the title fight. Like, how does that work at all? When his his fight in between are guys that are on losing streaks. He hasn't been a guy that's won uh, a fight in how many years? He hasn't been a guy like that. Yeah. Every single guy he's been have come off two fight losing streaks. But when I'm looking at it, and like you said, now the fans are starting to realize that they're starting to see it's a joke. It does delegitimize de 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 the, the sport. And it just makes... Like I said, when I look at myself and I look at the, you know, the, what I represent and the people that are like, look up to me and like, I never thought I would have like this type of uh, push or fan base where I have little kids, Arab kids from the uh, Palestinian community, from the, from different Arab countries, Abu Dhabi, you know, my, my son started fighting because of you, because of this. And it like, you know, when something like this happens, it tells me, man, I, I'm just done. I'm going to quit. Like, but then I look at those kids and I know that they're doing this they're fighting because they look up to a guy like me. So if I'm going to quit on myself, I'm going to quit on my dreams, which is the goal is to be a fight for the title. Fans can say whatever they want. They, they, if they hate me, they don't, they don't like me. I don't care. I put the work in. I got the, the winning streak. And my goal isn't to, to beat every single ranked person in the division. My goal is to be a world champion, hold the gold, and to fight the next best guy. If Sean Brady beats me in Abu Dhabi, Sean Brady's weighing in as a backup. Sean Brady is probably fighting for the title next. They're pushing that fight with with Sean Brady. Why am I not getting pushed? Why am I not the one yeah, uh, right. that that's the next guy in line? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Now weighing in as the backup does not always equate to a title shot, as you well know. Vicente Luque had the chance to weigh in as a backup, and he missed weight by double digits because he didn't have a lot of time, and that was a whole weird experience 
unto itself. Um, but at least I would like to clear the air. You know, the notion that Bilal Muhammad would not be willing to go way in as a backup is probably the most laughable thing that I have seen out there. So uh, let me just clear the air on that. And I would imagine for you, the Arab kids, but also your own faith and just training, right? I know you had a hard training session today. I'd imagine the combination of your fan base that maybe you never thought it would be this big. And we've seen your social media following grow exponentially. I've seen the way you resonate with fans. I would imagine that your faith and just the endorphins you release in training helps you navigate what candidly is kind of a sad time, I would think right now. Yeah, honestly, it's one of those, it, it was, it was like one of those times where you're looking at it like, man, what, like, what's the point? What's, where am I, where am I going to go from here? Like, what, what is it? Is it like, I'm never going to get a title shot. So let me fight guys that, uh, that I want to fight that I don't like. Let me move up to 185. Let me fight Sean Strickland. Or is it like, you know, you know, well, let me start from the bottom. Let me go to bed. Let me go to Neil Magny where these guys are getting title fights off of beating these guys. These guys are getting pushes off of beating the, the guys that are 12, 13, 14, 15. Let me, you know, they want me to be everybody ranked. I'm going to start off from there. But then, it's, like you said, it just, I just have to trust God. I have to trust God's plan. And I always write that down. And, you know, I, I literally got a text from Jared Gordon and, you know, I'm snapping and I was like, do you trust God? Do you believe God? Do you, do you understand? You don't understand his plan, but in the end, it'll, it'll all make sense. And I can't just write that and say that and not believe it. Like I have to believe, it. I have to believe that everything that happens is for a reason. I have to believe that. Yeah. It's all going to come to fruition in the end. Yeah. Like I was right. Gold is the goal. I don't give it care about nothing else. Gold is the goal. Yeah. Well, and and, uh, gold. I just have to say too, you know, not a lot of people know, but you know, I had like a major UFC demotion at one point in time, and I'm not going to get into details because it's not about me. Um, but shortly thereafter, you know, a lot of good things started to happen for me, you know? And, um, so even though at the time it was really, really hard for me, uh, you know, I do think that leaning into that is not a bad idea. Uh, a few more minutes here with Bilal Muhammad, and I do want to be respectful of your time. So, Dana White turned to Hunter at the post-fight press conference and suggested they were working on a fight between you and Shavkat Rachmanov. Now, it's different for Jeff Neal to, to accept a fight get against Shavkat Rachmanov, given where he is in the division versus yourself. Right now, Jeff Neal saw the upside in the Rachmanov fight. People think Shavkat, not unlike Hamza back in the day, maybe the boogeyman of the division, was 16-0 with 16 finishes at the time, and thereby that was part of the upside for Jeff Neal, right? You have the top five wins against Stephen Waterboy Thompson and Vicente Luque, and then you already essentially fought one of those guys, the previously undefeated Sean Brady, a fight down in the rankings, right? So whether it's Shavkat Rachmanov or a fight against a future Hall of Famer, Kamaru Usman, even though I know you guys have the same manager and some ties, um... If indeed Leon and Colby are matched up, um, have you thought about what your recourse is and who you might like to entertain? Yeah, it's it's that point in your career now where you're where you're thinking, you're wondering, you're like, what else do I need? And it's you beat the the former title challengers and Damian Maya and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. You beat the the guy who weighed in as a backup for the title fight, the guy that knocked you out before, the guy that was supposedly the the next guy in line in Luke. And then you beat the the hot prospect that everybody said was the strongest guy in the world and was going to walk through me and Sean Brady. So the only thing I don't have in my resume is a former champion. And I think that Kamaru Usman, he didn't take a lot of injuries during that fight. He took leg kicks. Right. Uh, so if he's willing to step back in there, 
management or not, it's, we're not teammates. So right. that makes sense. He's above me. That's yeah. fighting somebody finally above me. I would fight him. Yeah. Uh, well, but go ahead. So I was going to ask you, what was your opinion of, the, of that title fight? Uh, can you break that down for us a little bit? I mean, Usman very, looked very tentative when he was coming out in the first couple of rounds. Uh, I think that he had to get his – what I thought. Like when you're fighting somebody that knocked you out before, it's different. People don't know the mental hurdle that, I, that you go through when you get in the cage. And I fought a guy, Luke, who knocked me out. and it was a, There was a mental hurdle that you had to get over and there was a little tentative that was going to happen again. Yeah, I could see it in Usman because he didn't look the same. He wasn't the same confident guy that walked forward. Uh, but he was moving forward the whole time. Leon was landing a bunch of light kicks. He did land that one shot where Usman got rocked a little bit. But for me, I thought it was a, a draw, especially with the, the point that was taken away. There was moments there where, like I said, it wasn't nothing crazy special or there was one guy was way ahead. I don't know how some one judge had all the rounds for Leon. But, I mean, to me, it wasn't like Leon got better. I just think that U Usman looked a little bit worse. And I was seeing it as like, oh, people are like, oh, Leon's takedown defense looks a lot better. He's getting up a lot better. But I don't really think so. I think that Usman, he, he wasn't really committing to the takedowns when he was pushing him on the fence. He did have that one takedown where he had high crotch and then dropped him with the, uh, the single leg. But he wasn't doing a good job of holding him down. And I just don't think that he looked a little bit tired, honestly. And I think that came from the nerves of being knocked out before and thinking about it. And then I think he messed up with his game plan a little bit. He looked, he came out southpaw and I think he was, came out southpaw to try to stop that high kick because Leon can't come to that same side high kick when he is southpaw. And that's why he was getting caught with it the first fight. But then that left him open for low kicks, calf kicks. And then when he was switching back to orthodox, it was too late, I think. And he couldn't just get the, the push on his legs. But I don't know why he keeps switching to southpaw. Even in the Kobe fight, he'll switch southpaw and then he'll get rocked. His defense is never good in southpaw. When I saw him with southpaw uh, early, I thought it was a bad uh, game plan, bad idea by him. So I want to read you a quote from Leon Edwards, the UFC welterweight champion uh, on the MMA Hour with Ariel Helwani today. He said, there's no clear contenders. The only reason why Masvidal will have a chance is because of our history and what's behind it. The fact that I don't like him if he does lose, there is no clear number one contender. Now, I don't have to tell you uh, that Leon Edwards has been dismissive of you as number one contender in the past. You have the history. Perhaps some people forget that you accepted that fight, that main event. You're first in the UFC on three weeks notice, replacing Hamzat Chimaev, made weight, absorbed one of the worst eye pokes in UFC history. The fight was a no contest. Seems like people want to use all of that against you, the fact that, you know, he was having his way at times on the feet, even though it was super early in a 25 minute fight. And one of your greatest assets in theory would be your ability to extend him. Um, but what are your thoughts on, on the dismissive nature of some of Leon's comments about you as not being a number one contender when your resume certainly suggests otherwise? I think it's a joke because he was in the same spot where I'm at. He was the guy that was coming up and we, we seen him post quotes or people post quotes of where, he was calling out Kobe, and Kobe's like, who's this guy? This guy's not a nobody. This guy's a nobody. And they were giving him the same type of treatment. And who did they give him to, to build him up? They gave him a Nate Diaz uh, with a huge name to try to build him up, to, to make it make sense of why they would give him a title shot because his only wins were coming off of RDA, Cerrone. All these guys are 55ers. Even when they post this uh, on, on ESPN where they posted notable wins for him, it's RDA, Donald Cerrone, and Nate Diaz. Like, how is that your notable wins if you're a, a welterweight champion? When all those guys are uh, lightweights. That's what's funny about it. And then when people go back to that fight, 
nobody's going to rewatch it, but they're just going to listen to the narrative. It was a 10-9 round. It wasn't a 10-8 round. And it was four rounds left in that fight. And like you said, it was taking the fight on two weeks' notice, first main event. There's a million stuff that come with a, a main event, uh, media, uh, cameras, all this other dumb stuff. And then before that fight, it was fighting Diego Lima, who I took like 50 calf kicks or something stupid like that. So 90% of the, the camp and working for Leon was making sure that I'm able to, to walk and move the way I want to move. And even still with that, I still lost my coach in the lead up to that fight as well. And they made us come down to Vegas the week earlier to do the press conference with the, the Izzy right. card. So I lost my training in Chicago with my team. So I was in Vegas a week early for no reason because we couldn't even go to the press conference because my coach got COVID. So it was just literally trying to do everything on our own in Vegas. Uh, but, you know, you could give excuses. You could say this and that. But I don't even need to give those excuses because it was literally one round. It was one round and it was a foul on his end. When we're seeing him now, how many fouls did he get committed in this uh, tomorrow fight? A million other uh, yeah. refs who given him warnings who uh, – what if they would have changed it? What if the her being would have said disqualification, I warned you two times, then it would have been all changed. The whole Your whole history would have been changed. Wow. Be, but it's on the ref's discretion. He could have disqualified right. him. He could have gave me the win. And yeah. for me being a man, I would have been like, I'm going to give you the rematch yeah. because I'm a man and I'm not going to take a win like that when there was no – clear yeah. there was nothing done the, the final bell didn't ring tim simpson's a great manager he is leon edwards's manager and this is going to be an interesting navigation for him i guess uh leon has said to ariel that if he has presented a contract for colby covington he will not sign it uh and even though he does want to sort of denigrate you to whatever degree i do think if he was presented with a contract to defend his title against you he would sign it because he will acknowledge your body of work internally and so will tim even if they won't publicly because honestly, Bilal, when Leon talks about other guys who are fighting and winning, who do you think he's talking about, bro? Who do you think he's talking about? Literally, exactly. Like who you're gonna, even if you get, give it, you're talking about Maslow, you're talking about uh, Kobe. Like these guys have Maslow won this. He's gonna have one win in his last four fights. Kobe has yeah. one win in his last four fights. So like, if you're Leon, if you're you're a true champion, you want to fight the next best guy up upcoming, like. And people yeah. could say whatever it is about money, whatever like that. And it's like to be a true contender, to be a true champion, you got to fight the hardest contender. And I'm way harder to fight than any of those two guys. And yeah. I earned it. I put blood, sweat, and tears in. And uh, it's not like I'm saying I deserved it. I earned it. I'm not yeah. saying I'm not no, begging for it out of like, please, God, please, you know, please, Dana, give me this out of this, this, and this. No, I'd be. Four top 10 guys. There's nobody in the right. division that beat four top 10 guys. Bro, you and my twin brother are like family, and yet it doesn't even matter. Your case is very easy for me to lay out, right? Even if I didn't like you, I would want to give you this platform today. Um, to what extent has this been therapeutic today? I'm not going to suggest that this makes you even feel 1% better, but tell me this makes you feel like half a percentage point better that we've had this conversation. Honestly, it does because again, it, it does make you feel a little bit better. It's like you're, it's like a therapy session where I'm just right. like letting it all out. Like it's all like, right. it's I cool. do have I one more question. I appreciate you, honestly, to being on that post fight show. The fact that you had my back and you got guys like Rashad Evans and Gilbert Melendez with the most laughable responses. It's so stupid that they're they're even trying to push it, and it's funny because it really makes no sense. And those guys are real fighters, and if you're a real fighter. You know what type of work it takes to put in. You know what type, what, what kind of sessions we put in. You know what kind of 
hard it takes to, to get into the cage and to how hard it is to have a, a streak like I have a streak. And for them to, to say, oh, you know, I'll give it to Nate Diaz or give it to Kobe Covington. I think Kobe Covington earned it. It's like it's a joke. And it, it, like, makes you lose respect for those type of guys. Yeah. Well, nothing in life is guaranteed. We all know that. But I do believe that if you can position yourself to fight Kamaru Usman and get sort of a soft guarantee that if you beat the former champion all-time great, that you get a championship opportunity next, right? Because, like, Cheeto Vera has not been guaranteed a title fight if he beats Corey Sandhagen this weekend. But he's won four in a row. He puts everybody away. He could have held out after knocking out Dominic Cruz for a championship opportunity, and maybe it would have materialized. Has the head-to-head win over Sean O'Malley. But he's going to go beat Corey Sandhagen in his mind as an underdog, by the way, not unlike you against Sean Brady. And I know you're having to do this maybe once more, but he understands then that he beats Corey Sandhagen, then he's going to lay back in the cut. And I think for you, if you beat Kamar Usman uh, and you can get that fight, um, you know, maybe that'll finally be the one. But uh, there's a lot of love for you out there and uh, certainly a lot of love for you here. And hopefully you can uh, fucking lean into all that, man. Appreciate you guys. Seriously, honestly, brother, love you guys. Hey, love you too. And real quick, when I saw you write the word uh, B-I-T-C-H on Twitter, I knew that uh, I knew that somebody had really pissed you off because you won't even write that. Yeah, honestly, I, I, I had my boy, shout out to Biggie. He's like, bro, I would delete that tweet. He's like, not you. And I was like just snapping on him. And then I was like, and then MMA, uh, ESPN MMA like shared it. And then uh, like I'm having people share it. And then like the, 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 the second or third thought that came to my head is like, man, I don't want my mom to see it. Cause like, I don't want like, right. she already goes through so much just for me fighting, but she like to see her to, she knows that I'm hurting and right. she doesn't want that to be, you know, like I said, there's kids watching me. I don't want them to think that that's the right way to do things. It's not yeah. right. Hey, have a good day. We appreciate you. Okay. Appreciate you guys. Man. Stay healthy, right, man. There he is. Bilal Muhammad with us here live on the Anakin Florian podcast. A few thoughts on the back end here. And uh, I'm glad because I wasn't going to ask him sort of about the impact on the family. But Kenny, there have been a lot of circumstances in your career as fighter and as broadcaster where you have to deal with things similarly to what he's dealing with right now. And he mentioned his mother and the families go through this as well. Obviously, for me, to a much lesser degree, I'm not a professional athlete. But when I was demoted, right? It's hard on my mom. It's hard on my whole family, right? And whether it was performance-based or not, right? It's a really hard thing. And this is not a demotion, but imagine how hard this is for Bilal's girlfriend and for his mom, right? And, um, you know, to sort of feel like maybe the promotion doesn't want you to be the guy and they want you to fight Shavkat Rachmanov. Uh, it's, it's an emotional thing, and I know you can sort of speak to it. It's an emotional thing, and it's also something that affects your livelihood, right? Um, you know, that that is a fight that could absolutely change his life. And, you know, we, we, we'd love to say, and I do believe it to be true, right? These are the kind of, this is the kind of adversity that ultimately makes you stronger. But at the same time, when you're talking about a business like mixed martial arts, you get one opportunity, or maybe you don't get one at all. Maybe, maybe not getting this opportunity leads to some kind of crazy crap that happens or he gets injured, God forbid, or whatever it is. And, and things can change quickly, either for the positive or for the negative. And in this sport, as fighters, we have very little control. Um, and again, I, I want to go back to what Bilal was saying, right? Because obviously we had talked about this before, but I think he makes a very compelling argument and gives a backdrop to the kind of things that he experienced leading up to that Leon Edwards fight originally, which I didn't know about. 
Um, and that stuff's real. I don't think, you know, some fighters will make excuses. Those are all real things that I think happened and, and can be very difficult to overcome and deal with, um, especially coming off that last fight. Those are all things that you kind of forget about. I certainly did. Uh, so it, it's cool to hear Bilal give that backdrop and, and make a stronger and even stronger argument for himself on why he should get that shot. And I understand why he's so upset. I totally get that. And uh, hopefully he gets at least a great fight. And, and again, this is another guy in Bilal who, who's pissed off, but at the same time, he's like, all right, I'll take another fight. I'll fight a Kamaru Usman. He's not afraid of anybody. Kamaru Usman is a problem, obviously, former champion. I think that would be a fantastic fight and would be the, uh, I don't know, the, the cherry on top of the icing to say, yeah. listen, I'm here. I'm one of the best in the world. Give me that damn belt. And it's not to say he wouldn't fight Shavkat Rachmanov, right? If you were to do a Rachmanov Muhammad co-main event on a pay-per-view headlined by Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, and Muhammad could be the backup during that week, I'm sure he would have the appetite for that, right? But to be able to beat Kamar Usman, right? Because again, the piece of metal means a lot of money. And so even though maybe historically Bilal Muhammad might even prefer to have a win over Kamar Usman than a win over Leon Edwards, right? I mean, that's a huge, huge scalp on a resume. But it doesn't come with the belt right now in the ensuing payday. So we'll see what happens. I do think that a Bilal Muhammad Kamar Usman fight uh, makes a shit ton of sense, as they say there in New England. So we'll see what happens. But uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us live here on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel. Our full episode, complete recap of UFC 286, will be up, I believe, at 6 p.m. Eastern tonight, live on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Uh, we're joined by UFC Hall of Famer Forrest Griffin and uh, the coach Ray Longo as well. And then later in the week, also on the DraftKings YouTube channel, Full preview and predictions for UFC Fight Night. Corey Sandhagen and Marlon Chito Vera uh, under the lights Saturday on ESPN. Thank you all for joining us live. And uh, thanks to Bilal. Remember the name, Muhammad. We'll talk to you later today.